God, and stir us up with great affection to the things that you call us to be a part of the kingdom culture. So we thank you for this time this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, one of the things you can uh, observe, observe really quickly about the American culture is that uh, our American culture is not renowned for uh, hospitality, would be uh, the word I would use. Um, we really don't have any sort of standard response to greeting people and welcoming them into our homes. In some areas of the United States, there's definitely more hospitality than others. Um, sometimes we might uh, understand that when people are welcomed in and there's hospitality that we might give them something to eat or drink, but that's not even consistent. In more hospitable cultures, uh, there is established customs, and that's an evidence of a culture is the customs, there's established customs to show value to guests. I was reading this week in China, hosts offer the seat with the best view, and they don't withhold the best food for just their family. They bring out the best selection of food for guests. In Kazakhstan, um, they, they serve black tea and a loaf of warm bread, which sounds amazing this morning. This is, this is I love this one. In Tibet, your host will greet you by sticking out their tongue. It's an interesting custom. It's a way of saying hello and welcome. And, and listen, listen, that won't translate to America, okay? So if you don't have a custom and you want to pick one up, I would not advise the one from Tibet, okay? It's not going to translate well here. Tea and bread would definitely be a better idea. Our culture needs to grow in hospitality. With hospitality, we're, we're too hesitant, we're too careful, we're too guarded. It's not just a problem, though, with receiving people. It's also a problem with receiving God-given emotions. For example, uh, important for this morning is, is that our culture is terrible at processing and expressing mourning and grief in a healthy way, not to mention within the context of the church, in a healthy, God-honoring way. This is why uh, Matthew 5.4 is such an important piece of kingdom culture. Check it out with me. It's right there for you. Matthew 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Comforted. So we want both of those. Jesus is saying both of these are important in kingdom culture. Both mourning and the comfort that can come. But first, before we jump in to the specifics of mourning, let's, let's review the word blessed. Because we talked about this last week, and I covered it in depth, and if you didn't catch it, and I, I encourage you to listen to the first message, because it's going to orient you around this subject of blessed. Blessed, here's some principles, blessed is better translated flourishing. And flourishing does not come from me uh, being obedient to the right actions, but from actively and regularly being with Jesus in an abiding relationship with him. You flourish when you have a be attitude, as we unpacked last week, an attitude dependent on being with Christ. To unpack that further, this principle, only by being with Jesus, in the graces of hearing from his word, communing with him in prayer, and yielding to the leading of his spirit, will you literally embody these be attitudes of the kingdom culture and find a flourishing life. These are the principles that we're walking in every single time we see this blessed are, blessed are all throughout these next few weeks together in this series. 
So the second beatitude here is flourishing are those who mourn. How in the world does this work? In a culture that the expression of mourning is so foreign. Mourning is a feeling. It's really simple. Uh, as you probably you can imagine, mourning definition is a feeling of grief or sadness. And in a world where everyone seems to be trying to avoid this emotion, Christ is actually calling this for this to mark the kingdom culture. To be an aspect of it, an attribute of it. While people try to ignore it, we try to medicate it, we try to numb it or just avoid it at all costs, Jesus speaks something completely different, completely countercultural, and he says flourishing are those who mourn. Who mourn. So instead of refusing to open your heart to grief, instead of being too uncomfortable with mourning to allow it in, instead of responding with some macho attitude that ignores the sound of grief knocking at your door, Recognize this from Matthew 5, 4. Make this big move this morning in response to what Jesus teaches us. Greet grief with your feet grounded in the gospel. Greet grief with your feet grounded in the gospel. If Jesus included this in the Sermon on the Mount, just work with me for a second. If he included it in the Sermon on the Mount, then there is a good and divine and even godly purpose for grief. And I would argue this this morning. We're going to see it in a few different ways. Simply put, grief is the emotion that reminds you of your desperate need for the good news of the gospel found when we abide with Christ. There it is. Grief is the emotion that reminds you of your desperate need for the good news of the gospel found when we abide with Christ. Here we are, beatitude. It's the beatitudes. Invite grief into your life. Welcome mourning, but make sure. Warning welcome it only you're only going to welcome it rightly it's only going to have its right purpose if you welcome it with your feet grounded in the gospel and jesus because of this reality he's he's making a point here that those who mourn are, are going to be comforted and so he's got a plan for how mourning leads you to the comfort and the consoling that jesus wants to bring and i want this for you and for me it must be a part of kingdom culture so that we can rightly walk in a broken and fallen world. Like we need this. And so two lessons to help you greet grief with your feet grounded in the gospel. First, welcome grief into your present reality. Welcome grief into your present reality. When grief's knocking at your door, <laughs> some of us want it to be like, go away. Just go away. You want to put a little, put a, little um, a, a sign outside your door, grief not welcome here. That's what you want to do. I hear you. I feel that reality. Some of us get embarrassed when grief is at the door. We're like, I think grief's at the door. Like, don't let him in. And we just sort of, we just sort of, it, we're embarrassed by it for some reason. We're like, I, I, I shouldn't be grieving anymore about that situation or, or it's uncomfortable to us. And so we get embarrassed by the reality. I see people all the time embarrassed. I'm so sorry that I'm crying. What? Or we panic. We're like, grief's at the door. Shut the lights off. Down on the ground. Don't let grief know anyone's home. Just we, we panic. We deny it. We get awkward with it, but into that, Jesus is like, flourishing are those who mourn. Flourishing are those who mourn. 
you have a God-given capacity to mourn and grieve, and it has a holy purpose when you rightly understand it. Welcome grief. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that welcoming grief in is supposed to be easy. I'm not saying that you're like you wake up every day just being like, I hope grief visits today. Okay, that's a problem. That's another extreme of, of wrong. But but we don't want it. To, it shouldn't be easy, and we shouldn't be happy about it. We shouldn't be like, sweet grief's here, everybody. Like, what are you talking about? It shouldn't be comfortable. But it's important to welcome grief into your present reality. We got to familiarize ourselves with the reality of grief and mourning and the way it plays out in and around our life in the fall. It is a reality. You, you need to remember at this point that, that in, in this gospel, the, the gospel of Matthew was written, as I said last week, particularly to a Jewish audience. And if you want to study a culture that, that, that really understood grief and how to express it, study the Jewish culture and the way they grieve. Mourning was familiar and encouraged. You see this all throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. Uh, the Jewish culture understood this. They, were, they had outward expressions of grief like shaving one's head. Okay, doesn't quite work for me, um, always. Um, but, uh, but they shaved one's head. They, they put ashes or dust on their head. They ripped their clothes. Expressions of, of, of grief were intense and loud. There's this one part that I I find so interesting in Genesis 50 after Jacob died, here's, here's, what, here's, what, here's what's in the Bible. It says they lamented there with a very great and grievous lamentation. Like how many times do you need to reinforce that you grieved in like one phrase? It's like I, they lamented there with a very great and grievous lamentation. You know that Jewish people would hire professional mourners to help model for the people what grief was supposed to look like? Anybody want to sign up for that job? Not me. Not me. If someone comes to you and is like, you'd be really good as a professional mourner, I don't think that's an encouraging, encouraging thing to hear. They, they, they expressed it openly. Also, they didn't rush through grief. Most of the evidence scripture shows us is that they would create space for seven to 30 days just for the initial part of grief create space for it. They would retreat from so many normal things in life just to rightly grieve. In our culture, it's like how fast can we get to the funeral and get on with our lives? It's a problem. This is clear. Grief is an acceptable feeling and expression and response to the impact of the fall. And there are biblically healthy ways to welcome grief. In our culture, though, people are just terribly unhealthy at dealing with grief. It's really the opposite of what you see in scripture, right? Like you see this all the time, probably even in your own life. What, what I'm seeing oftentimes is there's almost this underlying response of shame to grief. Have you seen it in your life or in other people? This sense of like, I'm ashamed for the fact that I'm grieving. What is, what is, what is wrong with our culture and even the culture within the church? that's communicated that. We've got to confront that if we want to walk in kingdom culture because kingdom culture is leading us to something different. So what happens is we don't, we don't experience grief openly. We, we feel ashamed for it, so we're not going to be a forthcoming with grief. And we rush too quickly 
through it. And here's, here's the picture. If you don't welcome grief in the front door, as reluctant as you might be to ha- be walking through a circumstance or a situation that's bringing grief, here's what I see again and again in people's lives and in mine. If you don't welcome grief in, if you don't acknowledge grief, it will turn from a, 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 a visitor that God has given for a holy purpose to an intruder that will break into your life in unexpected and really painful ways. I've observed recently, in the last year as I've been processing through this subject, that one of the ways that, that, that grief plays out in my life when I don't acknowledge it or welcome it is it plays out in sort of an underlying anger or frustration. Anybody with me? Like I've discerned that about myself. There's other things. Some people um, move to sort of what I call escapism into entertainment. Just distract me from it. Just distract me from it. I just, I just don't want to deal with it. Others, overeating, use of substances, many forms of addiction, and self-harm. All are um, really bad coping mechanisms for dealing with grief that is breaking in because it was never welcomed. We never understood how to deal with it rightly. The popular, let's be honest, the popular responses in our culture are not leading to flourishing. They're not leading to a flourishing life. What discipled us to be led to these? Or, or, or is, it, is it better to ask the question, where is there a lack of discipleship that's left us only with the coping mechanisms of the world? That's probably the better question. Jesus is calling you to something better here. It's always better to welcome grief than to have it break into your life in unexpected ways and at unexpected times. Life is painful because of the fall. Listen, I feel it as much as you do. You can't escape it. You can't, parents, you cannot protect your kids from it. You can't. It's coming. The reality of grief and mourning is coming. We mourn because of the pain that we feel. There's, there's pain because of other people's sins. There's pain because of our own sin. There's pain because those two get together and produce a lot of pain. There's, there's pain because of the reality of the fall that, that hits all of our lives in different ways, sometimes seemingly unpredictable. And, and if mourning is something that we, we, we feel like we've got to deal with or fix, then we're not going to get to right and good and healthy expressions of grief. And God in his compassion and love wants to lead us there. He wants to help us to see that blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And this has got to be a reality and a mark of a kingdom culture. For it to be authentic and real. A God-given response to sin and to the fall is grief and mourning. So welcome grief in your present reality. Welcome grief in the front door with boldness and courage and honesty. Learn to walk with it. Give each other permission and space, space, time to wrestle through it. Permission to mourn. Listen to the emotion of grief. Learn to express it openly and deeply and purposefully over time. I I, I think that authentic, a culture, a kingdom culture where there's an authentic expression of grief might be one of the most attractive traits of our faith. Potentially attractive traits. Because if you put on a fake smile and you act like everything's okay when everyone around you can tell that it's not, does, does, that, does, that, does that attract people to the faith? 
No, it, it makes them wonder what is wrong in your brain. The world looks at us, and if we try to put on a smile, like, it's fine, Jesus is going to reconcile it all in the end, and, and it, we, just, we just look fake. It's not genuine. And a watching world's going to go, I'm not following that Jesus, because that Jesus isn't real. I need a Jesus that will intersect me right in the midst of my mourning, that, that will ground my life, that will hold when the waves of, of sin and the fall continue to hit me. That's what they need. Our culture needs to see us mourn and weep and pray in response to the sin and brokenness of the world instead of seeing us arguing and fighting and yelling and screaming. <laughs> the, the things that I've seen in the last few years that people proclaim about politicians or somebody in the entertainment industry, I'm like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think the world wants to see us proclaiming their wrongness or evil. I think the world needs to see us broken and weeping. They need to see us wrestling with the mourning instead of just showcasing it with anger. Start with honesty. Stop treating grief like an unwelcome stranger. Welcome grief in, take it by the hand, and say, listen, I'm not, to, I'm not happy to see you here, but I want to walk with you rightly. I want to walk with you rightly. That's the first move. Now, the, that's the first lesson. Don't, you can't stop in the first lesson or you're not going to get to the comfort part. The second lesson is this. Walk with grief surrounded by gospel relationships. Remember, the big move is to greet grief with your feet grounded in the gospel. Grounded, secured, deep into the the culture and the ground, the rich ground, the rich soil of the gospel. Don't walk with grief in your sinful fallen flesh or grief will win and you will not find flourishing. It's not going to lead there. Instead, walk with grief in the strength of gospel relationships. What we want to do here, the best way to understand this is that we want to walk with grief surrounded with a B attitude that, that when I walk with grief, when, when grief is with me in whatever way, whatever circumstance, that I have surrounded myself with, with God in, in God has Father, God has Son, God has Holy Spirit. All three of those realities of the Godhead provide support and structure and protection and comfort around my life in the midst of grief and mourning. In addition, I want to surround myself with gospel community. People who are familiar with grief, who have experienced comfort by being with Jesus and can walk with me as I walk this side of heaven. So that's what I mean when I say surrounded by gospel relationships and through this you can find comfort. And I don't know if you know this and I don't know if you've ever done a search like I did this week. This week I just searched comfort in the Bible. And as I surveyed scripture, I was comforted. I was comforted. Scripture is rich with these places where it points to the comfort that God wants to bring you through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus Christ. And so um, we can't survey all of them, but let me give you a few highlights this morning. Psalm 119, verse 50. 
This is my comfort in my affliction. I think it applies. That your promise gives me life. Notice what the psalmist is clinging to here. He's clinging to the promises of God. He's clinging to the things that God has spoken over his life. That that while there might be human after human after human that's disappointed me, even my own self has, has made promises and been disappointed or had people promise things to me and been disappointed, God will never fail on his promises. And right in the midst of affliction, this is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. You can see almost the psalmist clinging to the promises of God here right in the midst of his affliction. Then Isaiah 61, one through three. You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta just read this with me. The, 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 the prophet Isaiah is looking forward to the coming of Jesus, okay? It's a prophetic text. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Okay, that's a reference to last week. Not intentionally, of course, I'm joking, but poor in spirit, we talked about that last week. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Some of you are there this morning. To proclaim freedom for the captives. Some of you are there this morning feeling a mourning. And release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion, God's holy city to bestow on them a a, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That is the picture of flourishing. He's like, get your roots down into the very reality of the good news that God was looking forward to in Isaiah, has fully realized in Jesus, the promises of Jesus and of God to be fulfilled in eternity, and we sit right in the middle of that, and he's like, get your roots down deep into that, and God will produce from your life an oaks of righteousness. What a picture of strength. What a picture of strength right in the midst of of ashes and, and mourning and a spirit of despair and grieving, right in the midst of that, God's wanting to root you down so that you can hold and in the holding, in the gospel with my feet fitted there, it is a display of his splendor. Then in in the New Testament, we, we get this beautiful vision of comfort in the midst of the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-7. through seven. Look at this one. Watch how many times comfort's used in this. You're like, I think they might be, Paul might be communicating a message about comfort here. Just watch how many times. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which he are, we ourselves are comforted by God. I think I'm getting the message, God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Man, I'm just like, okay, okay, I think I'm getting the message on comfort here. I appreciate the fact that later in the book, in chapter 13, Paul sums it up for those of us who maybe can't absorb all of this, and he just says, 
comfort one another. Thanks for the simple message, Paul. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says that we are a people, the disciples of Jesus, don't grieve as those who have no hope. He's comparing us to the world. See, the gospel hope grounds your feet during grief. It grounds your feet. 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul writes, Now, proclaiming over the church, over the people of God, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Notice the comfort comes before the work. The being comes before the doing. That's the beatitude that we see reflected here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I I, I want to encourage you in these passages and so many others that talk about comfort to receive the grace of God in the revelation of his scriptures. It is a rich and beautiful display of God's heart for you right in the midst of the most painful moments of your life. Hear what God is saying. As you mourn, as you walk with grief, let your feet be grounded in God's promises for this life and for the next. Understand that in salvation, in abiding with Christ, what he's beginning to do that then will be perfectly finished in eternity is he is literally introducing to you the crown of beauty. I think it's the same reason why in Ephesians 6, it's called the helmet of salvation. I think salvation is just beautiful. And he crowns you with it. He's already started in Christ to to pour the oil of joy over your life. You know those moments when you just like feel like I can't contain anymore the joy that I'm seeing in Christ and knowing that I've only tasted like a tiny bit compared to what eternity holds. He's offered you a garment of praise that that we continue to to stumble and to fall on and to get dirty with sin. But there's those moments where it's just like, this is going to be glorious. White and pure when we finally arrive face to face with Jesus. And we experience the comfort of salvation. And, And out of that, we're called to comfort one another in that. You can find comfort only by abiding with Jesus as Lord and God as Father. That's where you find the comfort. I want to illustrate to make sure we get this because I, I think that sometimes we, we don't quite get um, the picture and so I want to make it even more clear of how do we, how do we walk with grief, how do we um, walk with grief surrounded by gospel relationships? What does that actually look like? So I, I brought this up here. Some of you are like, why is there an Aldi bag up front? Sure enough. Um, you guys know how sometimes when you're in the store, Let's call this the Aldi problem because you know Aldi doesn't have, you know, they don't offer bags for free. And so if you're like me, you show up at Aldi sometime and you're like, I forgot the bags, right? And if you're cheap like me, you're like, I'm not paying for any more bags. I got bags at home. And so you end up doing this. You end up, all these items start getting in your hands, particularly if you're like in a rush and you don't want to like search through Aldi for the one open box or be the guy. And so what you start to do is you start to, you grab everything and you're like, Okay, I got this. And people are looking at you just waiting for something to fall. Because you know what happens. If one thing falls, it all falls. They're watching you as you got the glass jar, and they're like, oh, man, this is going to be a disaster for you. 
and they're waiting, like, just to laugh. You know, it's like they're just kind of hoping this happens. Um, and, uh, and, and you walk with these things, and, and if you try to carry all of these things by yourself, they're, like, slipping out the bottom, and, you're, and, and, and what, what happens is, is you're filled with a level of sort of chaos and anxiety as you're, like, balancing everything. And then, you know that moment when one thing starts to slip? You're like, oh, gosh, no. Please make it to the car. And you're, like, pinching it, and people are just laughing at you. You're like, this is not, this is not flourishing. This is not flourishing. We've got we to help them out with shopping and how to get this done right. They've got to remember their bags. And so, it's a similar reality when we try to carry the ex- different experiences that cause grief and mourning in our life. It creates, it creates chaos. It creates a level of anxiety and a host of other issues if you try to carry it in your arms by yourself. The chaos and the anxiety become so overwhelming that we end up going to all those coping mechanisms we talked about earlier. See, here's the reality. God in the gospel, in, in his presence with you, in abiding with you, wants to meet you right in the midst of all that you're carrying And what he provides for you that's available at any time, at any time, is he provides for you gospel categories to sort of hold your grief, hold the moments or the realities or the items that have caused you grief and mourning in your life. And so what he does is he introduces you to the reality of of things like God's righteousness for times when, and forgiveness for times when your sin has fallen and it's a weight in your life. And listen, it doesn't change the weight of the reality, but it gives you a place to put it. And suddenly you can unpack the realities of grief and mourning into things like God's righteousness or, or God's eternal promises. And sometimes you gotta open them up and make sure you understand them clearly before you can put grief in them. And then you get them in there and you figure it out. And sometimes it takes a long time and it's really awkward. Um, and you just figure out how to put grief and you unpack it into places. And sometimes you have to unfold it and understand it and learn about it. And then you've got a place to put these items that cause grief and morning in your life. And when that happens, there's something that you've offloaded that you literally feel. I believe it's one of the blessings that leads to flourishing. And now it still has weight. But there's but there's an effectiveness in your ability to carry it. And as you take hold of what God has offered you in the gospel, you can walk with grief. And you've got it in a place and it, you're not trying to hold it yourself and it's not causing the chaos and anxiety and sometimes when you try to carry something for a bit and you drop it, you're like, oh, shoot. I, I gotta remember again that the promises of God are eternity or is righteousness and I need to take that thing and I need to place it back in there and I need to grab hold of it rightly by faith and I can manage and when it's like this, there's a few things that are rid- so ridiculously awesome in the gospel. First off, when you start to carry your grief and your mourning rightly with your feet grounded in the gospel, uh, one of the things that happens is, is this is a way more effective way to, bring, to, to build strength. And so over time, you start to realize that as you learn to carry 
these realities of grief that God strengthens you and the, the muscles that grab hold of faith and God's promises and the full reality of God as Father and Jesus as Son and the Spirit and gospel community becomes so helpful. And you know what also happens in this? This is what I love about the gospel and gospel community is sometimes there is something that gets dropped in your sack in your life and you're just like, and it's so heavy that you're like, I can't lift this. And you don't even know how to get it off the ground. It's something you've never experienced or a depth of pain that you've never felt before. And in that moment, the beauty of gospel community is is that I can talk to somebody and I can say to somebody, like I see so many people in this room that if this was my life right now, I could be like, "Would would you just come up here and help me? And they can come up and they can go, yeah, a hand right next to mine and just help me lift it and just walk with me until I'm able to bear the, to, to build the strength that causes me to be able to walk with it. And that's the beauty of gospel community. But if we hide it or if we act like we, we're, gonna, we're gonna take care of all of it ourselves, it's just gonna create more anxiety and more chaos. And there's a beauty here, church. Not only the strength part, but when you've carried something for a while, whatever weight your, your, your affliction has brought to your life, you want to know what happens? When you get the strength and it de- it's developed in you and you've got it in the right place, you know what also happens? You have a sensitivity to what other people are carrying. That's the Second Corinthians 1 passage. Now I've walked with this and I, and I can see someone else and I can go, I know exactly what they're carrying. And I can walk alongside them and I can put my hand right next to them on whatever they're carrying and I can go, you know what, I know, I know. It doesn't take long, does it, church, when you've had somebody come alongside you that you know that they know the weight that you're carrying. And they go, I got you, I got you, and I'll walk with you in this. It gives you a sensitivity and as you grow, if you rightly place mourning and grief in the right place within the gospel relationships, it also gives you the ability to carry more and to serve those who need help carrying it. This is Galatians 6.2. It's bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is how the gospel comforts you. That's the picture. Surround grief with, with the presence, the power, and the provision of gospel relationships. Comforted because of the support you found in the gospel. Comforted because you're being strengthened to endure by carrying grief in a God-honoring way. Comforted because as you learn from being in Christ, it gives you a sensitivity and a love for the weight other people are carrying and an ability, an opportunity, a grace to serve them in what they're carrying. As grief enters your home, what you gotta do is you gotta introduce grief to your closest friends. Just be like, hey, grief, listen, I'm welcoming you in, but there's some conditions to your arrival in my home. I'm not walking alone with you. I'm not walking alone because I'm walking with the be attitude. The Father is, is going to speak some promises over my life in light of your presence in my life right now. Jesus is forgiving me. He's advocating for me. His love is always towards me, grief, so you cannot take that away or threaten that. And let me introduce you to the Spirit of God who's counseling me reminding me of the eternal hope that I have in Christ. And I want you to know, 
grief if you get too heavy or too difficult. I also have a gospel community that's going to know my grief. And I know they're going to encourage me, they're going to help me, and they're going to remind me to stay grounded in the gospel. And into this, this week as I was thinking about this moment, uh, I was... um, I was on, on a prayer call with a bunch of lead pastors through GCC and we were literally just praying through a passage and I was like, that's it. It's the, it's the proclamation of this comfort in the midst of affliction and so just look on the screens. It's from Psalm 103, verses one through eight. Look what David says. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He must be reflecting on just how good God is. There can't be any affliction he's thinking about. Wrong. Who forgives all your iniquity. There's affliction there. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's because you're feeling the weakness of age and life. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed, held back, suffering, struggling. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And right there, right there is where we find comfort. It's not found by talking long enough about our grief or it's not talk it's, it's not found even in the even in the immediate emotion of mourning and grief. The comfort's found when we just arrive at a place where everything else is stripped away and I'm just like bless the Lord. It's in a beatitude where we find the comfort. Blessing is found in knowing and being with God right in the middle of the fall, right in the middle of the morning. And in this space gathered here together this morning, I want to invite you to respond. I want you to respond this morning by asking that God would bring through the wisdom of his spirit the reality of where grief and mourning has has or is or certainly will crash into your life. Maybe there's something that you've held for so long and just really haven't expressed it to God. Maybe there's some pattern or some reality of your own sin or the sin that you've seen from others that has sort of just, just caused pain and affliction and mourning. And so as the band leads us in this next song, as they sing over us, I just want to again this week just open up the front of the worship center for anyone who might want to come and kneel and pray and just say to God, God, I'm bringing my morning right to you. I'm not hiding it from you any longer. I'm bringing it right to you. Sometimes even a move from to the front can, can, can resonate with us spiritually because it's a move of faith, of confidence in God. Or maybe if you're more comfortable, you can just bow right where you're at. But I want you to welcome grief in. I want you to greet grief, though, with your feet grounded in the gospel in this moment. So we're just going to simply sing the gospel over you in this next song. If you'd like to come forward, I'd encourage you to. To ask God to, 
move in your heart. Don't hesitate. Let grief come and let the gospel address it. Let's do that now as the band sings over us.